0: Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today I am joined by a frequent guest, Justin Russo, aka Fly by Night. Justin, uh, I would ask how you're doing, but I, I think I have an idea.
1: I'm a little bit better now than I was like an hour and a half ago. Because I was still really mad about an hour and a half ago.
0: We are recording this pretty late. It's 11, basically 1130 on Sunday night. Um, The reason Justin is upset, in in case you're living under a rock and don't know, uh, the Clippers lost to the Dallas Mavericks 135 to 133 in overtime in game four. Uh, And I don't even know where to begin with this game. The uh, Clippers took a 54 to 33, uh, 21 point lead about a few minutes into the second quarter. I think there's about nine minutes left and looked like, you know, foot on the throat. They're about to put this series away. Kristaps Porzingis was a late scratch before tip off. And to me, had actually probably caused the most matchup problems of anybody on Dallas, just with his ability to launch from 30 feet and really the Clippers not having an ideal. Matchup for him. I mean, I mean, I guess Kawhi defended him pretty well in game three, but he still put up, you know, whatever, 34 and 11 or whatever he put up. Um, but from that point on, the Mavericks outscored the Clippers 102 to 79, a 23 point turnaround. Uh, they, they went on immediately, went on a 51 to 21 run after that. And to cap it off in overtime, Luka Doncic uh, hits a 27 foot. Uh, step back in Reggie Jackson's grill uh, to win the game uh, becomes the youngest player in postseason history to hit a buzzer beater uh, to cap off a 43.17 rebound 13 assist performance Um, before we get into the Clipper stuff I just want to quickly say Luca is special I mean I think we all knew that heading into the postseason but everything he's done in the postseason has just elevated my opinion of him uh, to me this guy's clearly a top five player. I don't know what, you know, who you want to put in that top five, but Luca's in there somewhere. Um, he's a future MVP, probably multiple time and looks like a future champion to me with, with Chris Porzingis. If, if Dallas can add the right pieces and, and keep these guys healthy together. So, um, I've been nothing but impressed by Luca, but that's the, the end of the good stuff. I'm going to say Dallas, uh, it, the rest of this is going to be about the Clippers, but, um, where do you want to start? I mean, I, I think I, I know where, but we can start wherever you want.
1: Look, I just want people to understand. I'm not mad that they lost. I like, yeah, I care whether or not they win and lose games, especially in the postings. Like, I, I get that. I, I'm I'm not a, am not a results person. I'm a process person. The Clippers process in this entire game after getting a 21 point lead. And I want to reiter- reiterate that they were up by 21. Fairly early in the in the second quarter, but still you're up by 21 against a team that doesn't have their second best player. Their best player was a game time decision with a with an injured ankle. You're up twenty-one. And you sucked. You just absolutely flat out sucked the rest of the way. The process in this entire game by the Clippers at that from that point on was awful. It it, it just blew my mind. And I don't want to harp on one thing too long. I just I look at it as game two was the turning point and led into Doc's good decisions in game three. They win game three and somehow he regressed back even worse than game two. I didn't think it was possible and yet it happened.
0: It it almost felt like. Game three never happened. <laughs> like it was yeah. like it was almost like it went from game two to game four um, with, with the way he coached the game.
1: Uh, and I do want to say, I do want to say this t- today wasn't the first time they blew a, a sizable lead in the series. They did it in game one and got away with it too. Like this is two games now. I'm trying to remember in the other in the other. Well, yeah, if you count the beginning of game three, you know, uh, game three, game two, game two, they gave up that run to start. The game it was like 15 to two to Dallas. It's like they've given up these big runs in seemingly every game. One night it's it's the non-Luca minutes and it's just Trey Burke and Seth Curry going crazy. Another night it's just like something it's it's never the same thing. It it's like it's like looking at a wall. It's a dam and there's little cracks forming and you're trying to plug your fingers into every little hole that gets made and you can't. You just can't there any wrong decision that could have been made in this game. They did it and it was insane.
0: Well, and let's, let's just get into it. Uh, the the biggest crack in the dam is, uh, (laughs) you like to refer to him as he, who shall not be named. Uh, I will refer to him in name Reggie Jackson. Um, so a a few metrics for, well, before I even get into that, let's just kind of broader picture here. Um, Reggie has basically played, in in my opinion, at the same level in all four games. Um, I guess if you really wanted to make the case, like game four probably was his best overall game, um, at at least offensively. Uh, You know, he did finish with, uh, I'm checking it right here quickly 14 points, a couple assists, a steal. Five and nine shooting, four seven on threes, which just continues his trend of not being able to hit anything <laughs> that's not a catch and shoot three. Which you and I have talked about. That's his best role offensively. Anything else is pretty much been a disaster. But defensively, uh, the so Reggie, um, you know, after playing Landry so many minutes in Game Three, Landry playing really well, uh, and and Landry didn't shoot the ball great, but I didn't think there was a giant drop off in, in from Game Three to Game Four f- from him. Uh, and then after playing Zoo so many minutes, uh, decides to scrap that go entirely small ball the last 11 minutes of the game and puts in Reggie for Landry. And that to me was kind of a, another sign of like Doc not fully trusting Landry, Doc not liking Landry's defense. We, we know we've talked about this at nauseum before that Doc kind of has his favorites. He has certain guys he trusts and certain guys don't have the same leeway where if they make a mistake, they blow a rotation, uh, they blow a coverage, whatever they get yanked. And that to me was an example of, you know, Dallas was really going at Landry, a, a lot of Tim Hardaway Jr. stuff. And Doc ends up pulling him and closes the game for the last 11 minutes with Reggie Jackson, who clearly has been the ninth best clipper out of the nine that have been rotation players by a long shot. Uh, you know, I, I know the, the Jermichael uh, green on off stuff isn't great. and uh, You know, but Jermichael, at least, you know, he's, he's a floor spacer. Um, he, he is switchable defensively. He's a big body. Like the, the Clippers need Jermichael Green, even if he's not playing that well. Reggie Jackson has, has just not been good in the bubble period, but especially in the playoffs. Clippers end up closing with him and Luca just mercilessly drags him into the screen and roll actions that Reggie switches onto him, uh, you know, goes four for four f- and, and during the game, 11 points against Reggie. Uh, including two huge baskets basically the deciding baskets you know he he draws a switch drives on Reggie spins bumps into him lays it in uh then Marcus Morris gets the catch and shoot three from Kawhi for the Clippers to go up and then he hits the game winner in his face and it just I just don't get it I, I I just really don't get it you know I asked Doc after the game why Reggie was in there you know what what was he seeing from him you know it felt like Dallas was targeting him defensively and He just said, "Well, you know, Luca made the shot, obviously, so you know it didn't work." But I thought Reggie was fine otherwise, defensively, and um, you know, basically just saying they had to live with that. And I just, I just don't see what they're seeing. I don't see any credible evidence to suggest Reggie was playing good defense at all during this game, or that he had a positive impact on this game. And um, I'm just kind of flabbergasted that this continues to be a thing. And if anything, the more time he's been on the court, it's obvious he should be playing less, not more. Yet he's playing more. I just, I don't
1: get it. Yeah, it's it's frustrating when you look at it. And let me just preface this by saying, I don't blame Reggie Jackson. I don't. At a certain point, I can't blame players. I blame the coaching staff and the coach for putting them in situations that are not conducive to success. You would you. You don't blame a tiger for going tiger. You know what I mean? Like, like it's on someone else for letting it happen. And with Reggie, yes, he was five of nine, four of seven from three. As you said, I like him as a catch and shoot guy. We like him as catch and shoot Reggie Jackson. That's fine. Anything else, it drives me up a wall. The thing with Reggie, and and this is the problem. I've charted every Luka Doncic ball screen in the series through three games. Every time Reggie Jackson, prior to game four, had been thrown into a Luka Doncic ball screen, the Clippers switched and it rarely worked out for the Clippers. So obviously Dallas knows they're going to get the switch. And this isn't even just about the final possession, which I will get to in one second. You know for a fact Dallas knows they're going to get Reggie Jackson on him in a ball switch. So I'm sorry. Why is he out there? And this leads me to the last thing. That last possession, they had three chances to get him off the floor, and they never did. And I know for a fact Doc knows he should have made substitutions because he took Lou Williams off the floor for Landry Shamit. And if you know you should take Lou Williams off the floor, there's no way in hell that you don't realize you should take Reggie Jackson off the floor too. I don't care what you think he might be doing defensively. Everyone can see the tape. I've watched now four games of this. Everything well, and- on tape shows me he can't do it. I don't you, know what, what else you need to watch.
0: One thing I want to interject quickly, too, is that we've also seen this from the Clippers where they will situationally go to Rodney Magruder or Terrence Mann. Like, that. you know, Ter- Terrence has played in three of the four games, or it might even be four of the four. Just by end of quarter, like, we need a defender, a guy to pressure the ball. You know, he's used Rodney the same way in the regular season. I don't see why. I mean, frankly, Landry probably shouldn't have even been out there. I mean, I would rather have Landry out there than, than Lou or Reggie, but y- you saw, like you said, they, they make the Lou sub, they, they put in Landry, and then it's like, why do you leave Reggie in there when you have three, se- you know, because obviously he, he wanted to keep some kind of two-way balance at, at times, and, and maybe that's why he left him in earlier, whatever. You want the offense? I don't agree, but sure, that that's your process. But it's three seconds left. You just need to stop. I do not see why he wouldn't put Terrence or Rodney in for Reggie, like, I, you know, maybe I should have asked that instead, but I don't know.
1: You know, what's crazy. we we might even be thinking about this too. Like, like on a small basis of like, oh, you could just put in a like-minded guy, like a, like a guard or something. What if you just put in Zubots? like a two pointer beats you too. What if you just put in Zubots and it's Zubots, Morris, Kawhi, PG and Landry, and then you're bigger and you're able to like, even if you switched, at least it's a bigger guy. Like I don't, I don't understand the process.
0: Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets are as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawn Mower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and includes slashed tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code theathletic20. Take your grooming game to the next level. It was also weird Landry was on the ball, uh, which I was just like, I mean, that's another instance in which usually you put a bigger guy on the ball. And and of course, mm-hmm. maybe the the inbounder could, you know, break free for like a shot quickly. But I don't remember who was inbounding the ball. Um, I
1: uh, Hardaway.
0: Okay. So, I mean, yeah, Hardaway, Hardaway is capable of, of shaking free and, and getting a quick shot up and, and getting a three. So like, you know, maybe you don't go zoo in that instance, but that's where I, I think you go zoo or, or Jamichael or, or Trez just to kind of pressure the ball, add some size. Cause I, I don't think Landry obviously did that. And I mean, and I will say, I don't think Landry helped in, in the sense of once it was kind of clear, the ball was going to Doncic, like um, yeah, I know we had talked about this. Like, maybe he got a trap there. Um, maybe he could have tried to deny it. You know, kind of deny the inbound better. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, uh, and and Paul George had a funny hindsight quote today. Uh, but oh, I'll
1: get to him in a second.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just, and the pro like the problem is is we've kind of seen this coming, and, and it was something. We were texting about during the game of of like this is not like good that they're keeping him out there. Dallas, um, you know, Doncic had multiple possessions uh, in my story that's coming out tomorrow. I have film breakdown basically of Doncic targeting Reggie and you know the, them using Seth Curry as, as the screener and, and bringing Reggie into the action and, and them isoing Luca versus Reggie and they did that multiple times and it's just. I, I just I don't I don't get it. You know, like, like as you said, I don't know why they don't just show and recover with him. Um, I I don't even know why he was out there to begin with. Uh, they did I,
1: it. They did it twice in the fourth down the stretch of show and recover, and it worked both times. I don't understand this. They're making their lives way too difficult in a series that you should be trying to close quicker than anything. Because they're not going to give you time off. Toronto and Boston just had sweeps, and they're only getting like three days off. Like, what, what are you doing? Let,
0: let's get into PG.
1: Okay. Um, look. I, okay. One bad game is one bad game. Two bad games is two bad games. Three, three bad games in a row is a trend. For, that's number one. Number two, I don't think Paul George was actually bad in game three. I thought Paul George was actually pretty good in game three outside of not hitting shots. But now this is three straight games of Paul George not hitting shots. Not not only just not hitting shots, but now he looks really rattled. And you can tell when every shot goes up, he doesn't believe it's going in, and that's a bigger deal than anything. His confidence is shattered. His defense in this series, and I am apologize for my language, it's pissed me off. He's been way too upright on ball defensively. Just everything has been lazy. He doesn't believe in himself. It's a confidence issue. I get it, but you, you got to get it back because I'm sorry. You can talk about hindsight. Oh, if I would have hit those shots, we'd be much better shaped. Like, yeah, no kidding. That's kind of how that, that's how life works. If I had more money in my bank account, I could afford a bigger house. Like, what are we talking about? So, yeah, just start hitting shots because he's even passing up good looks now. If you know, like he doesn't even want to shoot threes now. He only took seven threes today. He was trying to get like that mid-range post-up area, which was very not like him. So I don't know what's going on, but he's got to fix it.
0: Yeah, I was really surprised by some of his post-game quotes. Um, You know, the the way they've had these Zoom calls set up, you know, the the post-game pressers, um, they have two different feeds going on at the same time. So today, for example, um, Paul was in one feed uh, while Doc and Kawhi and Lou were in another feed. So I was in that feed and I I missed Paul. So, you know, I I didn't get to see it till after what he had said, but um, this is now the second straight game where, you know, last game he's bringing up James Harden and, um, you know, he's just kind of saying some weird comments and and I almost feel like he felt those comments got misinterpreted um, in like a passive way. So then today he was like way more aggressive with, you know, I, I don't know if you saw some of the other quotes, but like he was dismissive of the Mavericks defense. Like he, he said multiple times, they don't have a good defense. They don't have good defenders. It's all on me. I'm just missing shots. Uh, and then he had that quote about, you know, hindsight, this would be a much different series if I was hitting shots. And he said that twice, um, you know, that there was a different uh, earlier part of the quote where where he goes into that. And, you know, he, he's like, I know, yeah. And he states, you know, I know it's obvious, whatever, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I think it's become a problem and it's the type of problem that not only could cost them this series, but could potentially be a issue in the next round could be an issue in the conference finals could be an issue in the finals. Like Paul is clearly overthinking things. He is passing up good looks. Um, he is settling, you know, I went back and watched his his 17 shots and, um, there were multiple times he gets by a guy has a lane and then just settles for that mid range jumper. Um, and and afterward he did admit that he needs to start getting to the basket more. He's like, I need to get a few layups, a few shots around the basket and then go out to the perimeter, not the other way around, which is what he's kind of done. You know, he's, he's missed some threes and then tried to go to the rim. And at that point he's just cold. So it it is an issue like no doubt. And I don't want to undersell, um, how bad he's playing, but I just think in spite of it, they've still been in all these games really, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not been, it's not been a crippling issue. And I think against the Lakers or the bucks or whoever they face in the finals, if they make it there, it's a crippling issue. Like you you can't beat those teams without PG in that 25 to 30 point role. But, um, I mean, there's just so many issues with this team right now. And it it is a little disconcerting where you thought some of this stuff would be resolved in the playoffs, but it's basically like a, a gumbo of every issue that was an issue in the regular season is rearing its head. And, um, I mean, I'm I am concerned with the fate of the series. I'm not gonna lie.
1: So, real quick, and I'm assuming we're gonna be done in a second, but I just want to say this real quick. This this problem in the series goes beyond Patrick Beverly not playing. I don't want to hear that from fans. I don't care that he's not playing. Because the crap that's happening would still happen with him on the floor. Like it's not gonna change. Like, and this is my big thing. Don't play Montres Harrell. I don't care. I love the guy as a person. I really do. I think he's a heck of a player as well. I really do. However, you can't play him in the series. He doesn't have his legs. It's killing the team. Zubots should be playing 30 minutes a night. And the final 18 center minutes need to go to Jamichael Green and Marcus Morris Sr. That's literally the only thing. Like, don't play Montres Harrell. He's getting killed. If you look at the Harrell lineups. So I think Reggie Jackson and Lou Williams are awful together. And then I looked at the numbers. Reggie Jackson and Lou Williams are pretty bad. Only when Montrez Harrell's in the game. When Montrezl Harrell's out of the game, those lineup numbers are really good with them with those two on the floor. So, just stop playing. Like, honest to God, if you just stop playing Montres Harrell, you might actually just start winning games and blowouts. And I cannot believe I'm saying that right now because Boban's killing him. They're picking him apart on defense. It's bad. Like, just limit the bad players on defense.
0: It's. I- I'm with you. I mean, I, I do wonder what. I just I think it's too drastic of a adjustment to fully bench Trez. I think he just has equity with Doc with the locker room that you know. It, it to me it's it's almost on par with saying bench Lou. And I know Lou's obviously been much better in the series, but I, I just think you know th- Doc even kind of said before Trez came back like we're throwing him in there. He's earned it. He deserved it. I, I I'm with you in that. I, I do think.
1: There are, certain coaches,
0: there are certain coaches who would just bench him, right? Like, you know, we don't have to get into who, but there are certain coaches that would just play. We're going to play the best guys, and that's it. The best guys, best lineups, best rotation. Um, I don't think Doc is that type of coach. I, I think we, ha- we have enough of a sample size, not even this season, going back to previous seasons. Um, you know, what, 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 I just, I don't know. I, I don't really know what the answer is. I, I mean, ideally, I, I think you limit, like Reggie Jackson t- to me, it's like Trez and Reggie Jackson are not playing more than like 10 minutes each. And however you want to disperse the other minutes um, and, and preferably not together. Cause they've been really bad together, especially as a pick and roll uh, defensive tandem. However, you want to disperse the rest of the minutes disperse it with whoever on like on the roster in the rotation. I mean, I do, I think now the, the one thing I'll quickly say is while I agree that I don't think Pat would solve all their defensive issues I think the the Clippers' biggest issue right now is missing Pat just insofar as the drop-off from Pat to the next guy at his position, which would be Lou or Reggie, I guess, is probably the biggest defensive drop-off on the team. Like, I I mean, maybe you could say Zoo to Trez, but you could go with your Michael. You could go with Marcus. Like, you can kind of patch together a small ball lineup, and and obviously the wings are interchangeable, and you could go with different options there, but – I mean, their point of attack defense is just horrible, and it, it it's just been whoever Lou Williams or Reggie Jackson is defending, that guy goes screens for Luca, or that guy calls for a screen and and you know attacks it and it gets into the paint, and it's like it, it's been a layup line for anyone who's de- defending or anyone who Lou or Reggie are defending, and frankly, Seth Curry and, and Trey Burke have have destroyed them. Like they've been better than both of them and it's not really been that close. Like those have been the two best bench guards in the series. Um, yeah. Uh, so quickly um, game five game six probably will be a game seven. Um, what, what would you like aside from Trez? Is there anything else you'd like to see doc do adjustment wise?
1: I think you should tether Zubots to Doncic as weird as that sounds because You need a rim protector for him when he's in the game. Like if you just look at not even just percentage wise, like Luka Doncic is killing the Clippers when Zubots is off the floor, driving to the rim percentage wise. But like, I think it was like 75% of his shots with Zubots off the floor have been at the rim or in the paint. I think it was just in the paint. And it's like, that's an unholy number like that. You can't do that because then it's getting him easy baskets. He's not struggling to get looks then his jumper starts falling, and then you're and then you're really screwed. And that's what happened in the fourth quarter in overtime. Zubots didn't really play that much. He played a little bit in the fourth. And actually, when Zubots came in, that's when the run started for the Clippers because they stopped the bleeding. And then they brought in Marcus Morris to be the center, and that's when the Clippers made the offensive run. Um, so that's number one. You just gotta play Zubots with with and against Doncic. Like that's the big one. Number two, honest to God. I'd play Jermichael Green more. I think they need to play bigger. The problem is the Clippers are too small. And I understand the th- the thinking of, well, you got to match up with Trey Burke and Seth Curry. I get that. I 100% get it. You know what else helps is if you punish them in the post. Jermichael Green in game four had a possession in the post against Seth Curry, and he just didn't shoot over the top. And it's like, just punish them. That wears them down. Like, what do we do? Like Everyone is overthinking literally everything. And it's blowing my mind on a possession by possession basis because this series now went from you being three and a half seconds away from one win away from getting out of this thing, you know, pretty, pretty solidly unscathed minus the Pat injury to now it's a best of three and the margin for error has shrunk so much and now the variance has shrunk or has grown by so much that Tim Hardaway Jr. swinging games with a 20-point performance again. Trey Burke swinging games with 25 points. Seth Curry swinging games with 15. You know, Boban's giving them 10. Like, these things add up. And now that there's fewer games, there's a greater likelihood of this happening again. It really does remind me of the Houston series from the variant standpoint. But you know what tonight really reminded me of, Yovan? Game 5, Suns Clippers. The only difference, this wasn't in a hostile arena and when you weren't coaching against Mike Dantoni. Hmm. You know, like you you can't do it. You can't leave a bad defender in there or put a bad defender in there at the end and it killed him. Another three killed him. Chance to chance to stranglehold and they and they and they screwed it up.
0: My adjustment would be entirely scrapping the bench lineup. Um, I mean, I've been saying that since the regular season, Um, but I I just think head-to-head, Dallas's role players have outplayed the Clippers. Uh, It hasn't really been close, Um, and I I think if you look at the defensive, the players that have caused issues defensively, it's Trez, Landry, Lou, and Reggie. All four of those guys are supposed to come off the bench. Uh, All four play together often, Uh, and I, I just think no, there, there should be no time that any more than two of those guys are on the court together. Like Trez Reggie Lou should be retired. That that's not a lineup configuration we should ever see again. Uh, I, again, I don't think any, like if you're going to have two of those guys on the floor, it's two max. You cannot have three or more minus defenders on the court, especially against this team. I, I mean, they're just going to torture you. Uh, so that, that would be, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said that that would just kind of be my final adjustment of like, doc you're gonna to need to stagger you might need a sub every three minutes I don't know how you're gonna figure that out but the we're rolling with the starters then slowly putting in the bench then we're gonna do like a six minute spurt of the bench that's over like you're gonna lose the series and, and that's kind of been my biggest takeaway is it says two2 but Dallas has been the better team you know it's been 16 quarters and an overtime Dallas has been the better team for for more than half the series um and and really I think, is closer to being up three one than you know the the clippers are uh if you really look at I think how some of this has played out. But um Justin, let, let's wrap up here. Where can people find you on Instagram or on Twitter and and Instagram if they want um Patreon and, and your podcast and everything.
1: You can find me on Twitter at, at fly by night. That's f-l-y B-Y-K-N-I-T-E. You can find me on Patreon.com slash night. Uh, I'll have a breakdown video sometime on Monday if I get around to wanting my eyes to bleed. And then uh, you can find me on the Blue Wire Podcast Network at uh, the Clip and Roll Podcast.
0: As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. My work is on The Athletic. If you have not subscribed yet, I don't know what you're doing, but you should check it out. You should also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, including The Athletic app. You can go to theathletic.com slash Google for a free trial. I'll be back sometime later in the week. Uh, I Who knows? Clippers could be down 3-2. They could be up 3-2. They could have won the series. Um, it's, it's anybody's game. Like Justin said, best of three. Uh, thanks for coming on, Justin.